Dear Lord, we just commit this time to you. Lord, you know what your word says to us. You know what we need to hear. So I pray that you would guard my thoughts. God, protect our students. God, use this in some way through all the hurting families to draw us closer to you. Lord, would you bring revival? Would you help us to put away the things of this world that have so clearly been shown as trivial and focus on the eternal? Lord, help me to say what you want me to say and not to say anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I'll start today with this. I have a list of 34 decisions that we're going to make this afternoon. We're going to try to anyway. Those include things you're asking questions about, like room and board discussions, all of that. It includes things like what happens in two weeks, what happens with commencement, what happens with a host of things we just don't know about. So we're going to talk about those this afternoon. We're going to try to get you some word about those as well in due time. So just have a little patience with us. We'll get that out to you. We want to be wise. We want to be cautious. We hear the guidance just like you do. So pray for wisdom. On a lighter note, you can pray for me too because I'm supposed to be out with the being at home and trying to be safe. This weekend, I was playing laser tag with Samuel and Rachel, and uh, Samuel decided to hit me over the nose with the laser tag gun during one of our wrestling sessions. So if, if you see some weird something on my nose, that's um, having a little fun at the house. So I pray for safety for everybody. We are not going through Nehemiah today. We're going to James. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to James chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. James chapter 4. Verses 13 through 17. I want to walk you through what the Lord has been dealing with me on in some things. Because I have a confession to make that I have been convicted. That I take things for granted. Things like chapel. Things like singing with all of you. Things like the campus community here at Cedarville. These are all blessings. Uh, the opportunity to have a senior chapel, the opportunity to cheer on our sports teams, the opportunity to be able to eat together in the dining hall, the opportunity to be able to gather and hear the word. So think about this, those days where we may think, oh, do I really want to go to chapel today? Do I really want to go sit there and hear today? We say, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to have that opportunity. And yet how often do we take those things for granted? So now I'm asking myself this question. Lord, you have, you have sent something into this world that has rocked us a little bit. Our foundation is a little shaky in the world sense, not in theological senses. And you, you, have, you have shifted the sands of our snow globe to ask us the question, what is it that we take for granted? So now I'm asking, all right, what is it I'm still taking for granted? So we have this opportunity right now 
with all of our schedules being all messed up, with everything being completely different, that we can just have a bad attitude. And we can sit back and we can say, I can't believe what I'm missing out on. We can focus on me. I can't believe what I'm losing. I can't believe what I have to do. I can't believe all of these things. Or we have the opportunity to actually sit back and realize that the Lord has given us a blessing and saying, you take this for granted, you should be thankful for it. So now what do we have the opportunity to be thankful for and have a season of gratitude right now? So think about it. I'm thankful I got up this morning. I looked out the window and there was a sunrise where the clouds were over the horizon and there was a darkness, but underneath that darkness, there was a red horizon coming up over the view so that I could see that there is a sun that is coming up and it comes up consistently every morning. And how often do I take that sun or those sunrises for granted? I can go home this evening and I can hug my kids and my wife. I can pet my dogs who are always happy and have no clue anything in life is going on any different right now. I can be thankful. I can be thankful I live in an age where I can look into a camera and talk to you even though you may be who knows where. I'm thankful that the Lord has given us a hope that is sure and that he will hold us fast and that we have a gospel that does not waver and no matter what happens in this earth, I don't have to be worrying about it or fretting about it because he holds the future. I'm thankful for the gospel. So let's put this in perspective. My grandparents, my grandfather, his life was absolutely shaken around age 20. When he was called to go fight a war on another continent, with the very real possibility that he might not make it home. I have been called in my lifetime to go sit on my couch and watch Disney Plus until this thing passes. So I highly recommend The Clone Wars. There's six seasons, they're coming out with a seventh. It'll keep you busy for a while. But I say all that to say to you this, it may be serious, it may be bad, we may not all make it through it, but there have been worse times too. So here's my confession. I have taken things for granted. Out of James chapter four, verses 13 through 17, I wanna take a few minutes to talk to you, to say this to you. It is foolishness to take tomorrow for granted. That's the main idea. It is foolishness to take tomorrow for granted. Now we all do it. I understand it. Every last one of us, we get in these rhythms, we get in these habits, and we take it all for granted. We take for granted the fact that we're going to wake up as educators and walk into a classroom with a room full of students that we get to talk to. And yet today, the Lord has given us something to say, don't take it for granted. So here's my hope. After we get past all this, that we will have a joy in gathering as a community and singing songs with a new hope and a new passion and even with with a louder voice, even if you can't sing like me, with a louder voice because we no longer take for granted the opportunities he has given us. That we will appreciate and love our parents and our relatives and our friends and we will share the gospel with the lost because we no longer take for granted that I may not have tomorrow to be able to share these words. Let me read our text. James chapter four, verse 13, it says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and we will spend a year there and we will trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? 
For you are a mist, a vapor, that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So it's foolishness to take tomorrow for granted. This text begins with the words, come now. This expression in James is used twice. It's used here, and it's also used in James chapter 5, verse 1, where he's addressing a warning to the rich. So we see this come now is actually accused. Uh, it's, a, it's a clue that says he's going to issue a warning to somebody. It, it's as if he's saying, come on, man. So James says to them, come on, look at what you're doing. Those of you who say, the word say is in here, I think, to give us a clue that the words which come out of our mouth indicate the condition of our heart. The God has given us a grace of the words that flow from our heart. It allows us to hear the very words that come out, to hear the arrogance that sometimes we put forward, to hear the deceptiveness that's buried deep in our heart that we may want to deny, but that we understand there is a time when these words come out that we need to stop and confess the words and stop the words, but there's a deeper issue in that those words have come from a well of a heart that is deceptive, a heart that is arrogant, a heart that is complacent, a heart that takes things for granted. You who say, it's the orientation of our heart that's more important than the words which come out of our mouth. So what do they say? Today or tomorrow, you're taking it for granted. We, no aspect of God, we will go into such a town and we're gonna spend a year there. Are we guaranteed of a year? And we're gonna trade and then we're gonna make a profit. Well, if you're in business, you understand that making a profit is not always easy and especially right now, there are a lot of small business owners that are desperately hurting. There are a lot of companies that will not survive what we're going through. It is an assumption to say, we're gonna go do this. We're gonna be there for a year or two and then we're gonna make a profit. There are assumptions made. This attitude assumes stability and it assumes tomorrow. Now, the Bible is not against planning. The Bible is not against making plans ahead. Proverbs 6, 6. The ants, they plan ahead. Proverbs 15, 22 tells us by the counsel of many, plans are established. But I think what this tells us and what this tells me right now is that we are not the rulers of our own universe. We are not the masters of our own domain, that we are simply servants of the most high God and that we should make sure we serve him well. There is one that wears the crown and only one, and that is Jesus. So we may have a coronavirus. We may have a virus named after its appearance as a crown, but even that virus is God's virus and it bows down to him. There is something that the Lord is trying to teach us, perhaps in our nation, perhaps in my own life, perhaps in what we see. We have taken for granted the blessings and the grace that God has given us in such a way that we have said, God, we don't need you. We've got this covered. And as we in our arrogance have said, oh, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. And in our arrogance, we have pushed away God. And in our arrogance, we said, I don't need God. I've got this under control. God has said, look how frail your life is. That one little thing can come around and change it all. So maybe this is a grace to us all to say to us, don't take it for granted. 
be thankful. It's foolishness to take tomorrow for granted for four reasons. Let me give you number one. Number one, here in verse 14, we see it. You do not know the future. We do not know the future. Verse 14, this is what it says. It says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. This is actually gracious because it's not only that I don't know what tomorrow will bring, I don't know what the next minute's gonna bring. And as trying to lead and make decisions at the university in a time like this, we saw this last week in a perfect illustration. I walk up here on a Tuesday and say, we're going to have classes. We're not canceling. We're going to keep going. I walk up here on a Wednesday and say, yeah, we're canceling classes and we're going online. Because that afternoon, a phone call happened where the governor requested, this is what we do. So in my complacency, perhaps even out of my heart and a little bit of arrogance of we got this under control. I mean, our students are 18 to 22. They're the healthiest population. Not thinking about the implications of what somebody healthy that carries it could do to others. Yeah, we're gonna keep going. No, we're not. Here we see that we don't know the future. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what the next moment will bring. There are students I could name and I won't for the sake of time, but there are students I can name that their lives have been upended with phone calls, with doctor's visits, with accidents, with things one after the other. We cannot take for granted that we will have tomorrow or even this afternoon. We cannot take for granted the future. But as I said the other day, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. So the fact that I'm not in control should not cause me to despair. It should not create anxiety. It should not cause me to try to orchestrate every single aspect of what's happening in life. It says, I'm not in control. I can't do it, so I need to stop trying. There is one that's in control. There's a reason I go to sleep every night because I'm not in charge of the universe. There are things on the other end of the earth still going on, and there's one who hears it all, who sees it all, who controls it all. There is a sovereign God that has it all in his hands. So as Proverbs 27, one says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. There's a second reason that is foolishness to take tomorrow for granted. Number two, we cannot control the future. Our life is but a vapor. So we don't know the future. We see that in verse 14. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. Then he asks a question, what is your life? For you are a mist. You're the dew that's on the grass in the morning and gone by lunchtime. You're the mist that comes out of the spray bottle when you're trying to kill all the germs that are around right now. You're the vapor or puff of smoke from a candle that automatically goes away as it moves into the atmosphere. That's my life. That's my 60, 70, 80. Who knows how many years compared to all eternity. That's your life. Compared to all eternity, I can't control the future. I don't know the future. So I rest in the one that does. For I am a mist that appears, note that word appears, for a little time and then vanishes or disappears might be a better translation because there's a play on the words in the Greek here where it's an appearing and it's a disappearing and it's the exact same root word. Our life appears and then our life goes away. 
It's been said before, if you want to know how important you are, you take your hand and you stick it into a bucket of water and then you move your hand and in the time it takes the water to fill in the gap, that's how important your life is in the grand scheme of eternity. We don't like to think about those things. We are a servant of the Most High King. We are a steward of what he has given us. The work we have to do before him, God's work, eternal work, is important work. I don't trivialize that work. I don't tell you that our lives are not important. But I say to you this fact, we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow and we can't control what happens tomorrow. So the best thing I can do is wake up this morning and say, God, how may I serve you today? How may I be a faithful steward today? That's what I want us to focus on. The older I get, the faster time goes. So we focus on this here at Cedarville. This is our 1,000 days. This is Psalm 90, verse 12. So Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may live a life of wisdom. Those days, we've been interrupted. And we don't like it. But the Lord has still given us today to be a witness for the gospel, to be a servant of the king, to do something good for others. I'll come back and give you some examples of how I think we can do that at the end. Job 7, 7, and 16 compares life to a breath. It's gone. We can't be arrogant if our life is a breath. So much arrogance in our country. So much bitterness. So much conspiracy. There's eternal work to be done. Let's focus on the encouragement of others and the ministry of the gospel. Job 7, 9 compares life to the cloud that fades away and vanishes. Psalm 39, 5 and 6 compares life to a few breaths or a man going about as just his shadow. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. That's the point. I'm going to be here and I'm going to be gone. And nobody's going to miss me at the end of eternity. But Jesus' word, his word that we have will stand forever. This universe, this world, it's not all about me. It's all about him. It's his story. And I need to be a good steward of the time he's given us. So it's foolishness to take tomorrow for granted because we don't know the future, because we cannot control the future. And then also we see here that we must recognize that God's the one that's in control. Look at what it says in verse 15. What should we say? Instead, you ought to say, knowing that these words, it's not a formula that we say every single time, but we understand that with these words, it gives us the intent of our heart. It says, if the Lord wills, that's how we ought to live all of life. What am I going to do? What am I going to accomplish? What degree will I have? What vocation will I pursue? How will I minister to others? If the Lord wills, if the Lord allows me to. That doesn't mean we use it as a formula in everything. When we're in the dining hall or when we're out eating and we want somebody to pass the salt, we don't say, if the Lord wills, will you pass the salt? We say, pass the salt. And I like salt. If the Lord wills, we will live. Look at what it starts with. Our life. If you're watching this, you are alive. The Lord has granted us life today. There is breath in our lungs. We have the ability to be here or to watch here. Be thankful for that. The Lord has us alive today for a reason. Instead of focusing on ourselves and on what we're missing, let's focus on what we can do. If we live, if the Lord wills, we will do this and that. God is in control. God has shown us he's in control. I'll give you one example just quickly. In the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar, 
I've been reading this in my quiet time. I'm reading through Daniel in my daily devotions. As I read through this, the story of Nebuchadnezzar, he stands on his back balcony. He looks out over everything. He says, look at this great Babylon, which I have built. He knew the prophecy at that point, which he arrogantly stated that. And at that moment, that prophecy was fulfilled where he would go around and and grow claws like animals and eat the grass and have the dew on him. God takes the mightiest person in the world and makes him have the mind of an animal. And then after he has had the mind of the animal for seven rotations of the sun, for seven years, for seven seasons, he comes back and then he elevates him back to the king. Who in the world would trust somebody who had acted like an animal to be the king over the most powerful empire? And yet God is the one who tears people down and sets people up. God is the one that can take the mighty and make them humble. He can take the low and he can put them in the highest stations. It is God that is sovereign and in control. So I don't fret and I don't worry and I'm not anxious because I don't know the future. I can't control the future, but I know the one that does. God is sovereign and he's in control. And that's where I find my comfort. And that means instead of not praying because I don't have time, oh, I pray to the one who knows it all. That means instead of telling the one who knows it all my wishes and my will, I go to him and I say, Lord, what is your will? What are your plans for my life? It means that as James 1.5 says, we ask for wisdom from above from the one who will give it liberally to us. It means as James 4, 7 says, we submit to God. We humble ourselves. We bow down in submission and obedience to the one true God who is sovereign above all things. There's a fourth and a final reason. It's that we know better. We don't know the future. We cannot control the future. We recognize that God does and we know better. Look what it says in verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, a repeated boasting over and over. All such boasting is evil. That's a strong word. That's a strong word. The boasting and the arrogance for somebody who knows better is evil. It's not carelessness. It's not sloppy wording. It's evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. James shoots straight. He starts out with brother. He moves to adulteresses, to sinners. And now he says this is evil. So let me give you some application as we wrap this up. Application, upward. During this time, this two weeks, that's likely gonna be four weeks, that may be an entire semester, we don't know. During this time, upward. Let's grow closer to God. We all of a sudden have more time on our hands because some things are not happening and we're being told you can't go make more things happen. You can't gather together in groups. You need to stay isolated. You need to be in small places. So why don't we take this time to say over the next two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, I'm gonna grow closer to God. I'm gonna make sure I'm digging into the word of God. I'm memorizing the word of God. I'm not just wasting the time on social media. I'm not trying to listen to everybody tell us what's gonna happen when we just looked at the fact that nobody other than God knows what's gonna happen. I'm gonna dig into his word 
word. I'm going to grow closer to God. I'm going to listen to worship music on my devices. I'm going to allow my soul to be filled because I'm going to learn at this point in time to walk with God and to talk with God. Walking with God through reading his word and talking with God through praying to him as my heavenly father that I'm going to grow closer to God so that two weeks from now, four weeks from now, eight weeks from now, when I look back on this, I look back on this as a small blessing in my own life. A horrible tragedy perhaps nationally, but a small blessing in that God made himself real to me in a way that I am changed forever because I have recognized truly how to be grateful and how to walk with God and how to listen to the Spirit. Upward. Let's grow closer to God. Inward. Let's take care of ourselves. Let's maintain balance. We have to take care of ourselves to be able to take care of others. Stay disciplined in the rhythms of life. Can I just encourage you, student, if you're watching this, which probably if you're the student watching this, you're the disciplined student that's gonna take care of these type things, but tell your friends and text your friends that probably wouldn't be watching this because it's not required, that they need to do this as well. We need to stay disciplined. We need to set our alarm clock. We need to get up at the same time. We don't need to be lazy and waste these moments because the days are evil as they pass away from us. We need to read our Bibles. We need to listen to the worship music. We need to get ahead on our coursework in case we get sick. We should go ahead and start writing those papers that we know are due. Get ahead on all this because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Oh, I'm fearful for many of us, for many of you, that this change is gonna shake how you study for classes, how you prepare, how you do. And I want to encourage you to be diligent. I know many of you have other concerns of watching siblings. It's a crowded, noisy house. There are things going on. So let me just encourage you to keep as many of the rhythms of life as you can possibly keep. We do better when we have our routines. Be wise. Recognize. If I turn off my alarm clock and I'm sleeping till 10 every morning, I am not going to get everything done. Get up. Tune into chapel. Going forward from this point, we will either have live chapels or we'll have an archive chapel that we'll play for you. you. You can even have it going on in the background as you're doing something else. We're gonna try to commit to at least have a couple of live chapels every week so that there's fresh information going out. I'm gonna try to have something posted every day with some short one-minute video or something about what's going on just to keep you updated, keep those rhythms in life. Upward, let's worship God. Inward, let's take care of ourselves so that we can outward seek to serve others. I want us outwardly to be seeking to serve. What does this mean? Instead of being selfish and focusing on myself and what I'm missing, instead of being depressed and down in the dumps about what I can't do, let me focus on what I can do. Let me minister to others. Let me text friends encouraging messages. Let me reach out and encourage a neighbor. Let me write a letter and send it to someone. Let me reach out to a lost friend. Can I text a lost friend and say, hey, I just want you to know I was thinking about you today. I hope you're doing okay. How are you handling all of this? All that does is open that door for that lost friend that you've been praying for to maybe say, I'm not doing too well with this. I don't know what to think about it. I'm not prepared to die. And then we share the gospel with them. Open the doors. Take a meal. Leave it on the door of someone who is vulnerable, someone who may be isolated. Pick up the phone and call someone who may be lonely. Finally, number four, be thankful for what you have today. How do we respond in times like these? Nobody alive's ever lived through this. So we look to history. As we look to history, we find a quote from Martin Luther. 
He wrote this in an article titled, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. This was in 1527. It's the Black Death, serious issue. Here's his thinking on the matter, just to get out of our cultural context into something different. Quoting here, he says, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. It's a good start. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. That's a good word for all of us. And even so, if God should wish to take me, he surely will find me and I have done what he has expected of me and so I am not responsible either for my own death or the death of others. Because we don't control the future. We don't know the future. God's in control. So he finishes. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely, seeking to serve. It's foolishness to take tomorrow for granted. So let's be thankful for what we have today. Let's be humble. Let's seek to serve. We have an opportunity to make sure we are gospel lights in a world that right now may be looking around saying, I'm not ready for death. You know, it may be that you watching this, even as a student here, you may say, I'm not sure I'm ready for death either. The Bible says, these things have been written, written so that you may know that you have eternal life. We know this world's messed up. In Genesis 3, we see the fall from Adam and Eve. It has infected us all with a virus that this world has no cure for. God sent his son to die on the cross for my sin and for your sin. He went to the grave, and three days later, he got up and he conquered the grave. So he has conquered sin issues and he has conquered death issues so it's all been taken care of and if you reject God he's going to let you go where you want to go he's going to let you go away from him to a hell prepared for the devil and his demons but all we have to do is repent of our sins put our faith in God grant him our allegiance and live for Jesus and we can be reconciled to the creator we can be forgiven of our sin we can overcome our death and be resurrected with him one day to live forever in a new creation a new heaven and a new earth and that is the gospel message so if you are here if you are listening to this if you are watching online and you are one what in the world happens it is appointed to man once to die and then the judgment one sin will set you in opposition to your creator we are all dead but by grace through faith not by works by grace through faith we can be saved and reconciled to our God so today if that's you Repent and believe. If that's your neighbor that needs it, share that message with your neighbor. Let us all be thankful for God has overcome and he will hold us fast. Well, God, we are not worthy of the grace you have given us. But Lord, we thank you for your word, which is sure we thank you that we know you are on your throne, that you are in control, that we need not worry, that we need not be anxious. 
but that, Lord, we can trust in you. For whatever tomorrow may bring, be it life or be it death, be it prosperity or be it hard times, Lord, we have the gospel and we have a promise of a sure future. So may our attitudes be different. May the way we handle this be different. May our words be encouraging to one another. May we not be distraught or anxious about all that's happening, but may we trust in you and may our trust in you be a light to others so that they may come to the saving knowledge of the gospel. We ask this in Jesus' name, for he is our savior. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.